right, y'all, get ready for another edition of News and Trends with your host, Dave and Lynn. Welcome, welcome, welcome to News and Trends with Dave and Lynn. This is one of your hosts, Mr. David Coker, proprietor of Dave Mark Inc., um, marketing specialist, event planner, promoter, man about town. You know, uh, I'm I'm the mayor. What can I say? What can I say? And all around good guy. I'm hanging out with my partner, Mr. Leonard Young. What's going on, sir? Hey, Dave. Everything is good. This is Leonard Young, CEO of National Black Guy, DelawareBlack.com, Black Media Specialist, all-around good guy, and newly elected governor of, <laughs> of News and Trends. So, yeah, there you go. Dave, there you go. Yeah. Every, with that being said, everything is good, Dave. All right. That's good, man. I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad that uh, to hear that you have decided to join the News and Trends uh podcast today uh you know you never know you never know when my partner's gonna show up people so i, I had to mess with him every now and then so well well but, Dave, in my defense every time we air an episode i'm always there for you okay okay all right i'll keep that in mind i'll keep that in mind uh how was your weekend hey, everything was good busy a couple of events a couple of um you know trying to catch up on some work Mm-hmm. And uh, that was about it. Mm-hmm. What, what about yourself? Um, actually, same thing. The this working, uh, you know, I, I worked this weekend and I didn't do anything exciting. I mean, there was nothing really going on. This well, uh, there was one thing. I mean, everybody, of course, dinner in Blanc was uh, this weekend. I was looking at the pictures. A lot of people, they said it turned out pretty nice. It was down at Harriet Tubman Park this time. Harriet. Oh, I'm right on the uh, at the riverfront. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's where that's where it was this year. Gotcha. Sure. Well, you know, it's funny. I was looking at the pictures and I was trying to s- determine where it was. I wasn't sure if it was there or um, Brandywine Park where like the old Hercules building used to be. But okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. I guess that would be a good place to have it too. I guess. Well, um, but but you know, after after I said it, I think they already had it there, and I heard that they only have like they don't reuse location. No, they don't. They don't. Yeah, it's always a different place. I was wondering when they were going to get down to the riverfront because it was rumored at first. I heard it was going to be at the riverfront this year, but it was rumored at first, Crawley Stadium. And I said, well, I can see it being at Frawley Stadium. That's big enough to to do, you know. But then it wasn't Frawley Stadium. It was Harriet Tubman Park. So, right. All right, well, yeah. Dave, I'm 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 just waiting for them to make it a little farther down south to uh, GNR Campground. <laughs> that would be cool. That would be yeah. cool, right? But Dave, but you, you, know, the, you know how many? That's spots... always the Wilmington thing, though, right? I know. That's what I was gonna say. You know how many spots they would have to run out of to. You know, make it down that far, but yeah, well, yeah, well, no. just going down, just going down that way. There, there's a lot of places they can have it just heading down that way. So yeah, you exactly. Know. Yeah, so I mean, Lumps Pine, you know, those kind of places, you know. So, but um, but it, yeah, but it, it's going to be interesting because I wonder if they, I wonder how long it would take for them to run out of places in Wilmington to have it. Right. Probably a long time. 
Yeah, I guess I guess so. There's a lot of there's a lot of places I guess they can still go to. So yeah, yeah, and then right there at the riverfront, I mean, there's a couple of places they can go to. So right, you know, that's another thing. So well, um, that was the big thing that went on this weekend, and um, of course, it's football season, so football was going on this weekend. I tell you, the best game I watched this weekend, Leonard, wasn't even a pro game. It was that Colorado game, man. Mm -hmm. Did you look at any of that game? No, but I I saw some of the highlights somewhere. That was really really something. Uh, And the football game itself was great. But just watching – just people watching and everybody that was involved. The sidelines was crazy <laughs> with celebrities. <laughs> Excuse me, with celebrities. And then when you saw the um, when Twitter was just going crazy with the comments from all these big time celebrities talking about, you know, Colorado this, Colorado that, you know, everybody was on board. I mean, of course, LeBron, all them. I mean, anybody who was anybody was commenting on on Colorado. Dion got everybody, and you know, he got everybody. This, yeah, he does. Crazy about that team, man. He does. Everybody and, walking around with these, uh, uh, walking around. I've seen so many T-shirts recently. Uh, everybody walking around. Uh, what is it? Uh. uh I've been a supporter of Colorado football, football since 2023. <laughs> yeah, you know, so, and even on top of that, I've seen a couple that said uh, uh, Colorado bandwagon supporter since 2003. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's just crazy. I mean, that school right now is probably just sitting there just counting the money right now, man. Right. I mean, yeah. you know. And but but now they're gonna have the biggest problem is keeping Dion there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's gonna be the biggest problem because I mean, if some other big school come after him or even the NFL come after him, you know he's going. I mean, it's gonna be interesting to see what happens when his sons leave. You know, so, so, but yeah, so, but I, I, that was the most interesting game I saw this weekend. That was a great game. And just watching, watching a lot of stuff that went on, you know, so, but anyway, I guess we got a few things to talk about tonight. So I guess we should go ahead and start talking about them. So, you know, since this is news and trend, you know, it's funny. I also did something over the weekend too. I listened to a couple other podcasts, Uh you know, and it, it was, I just listened to them every now and then. I'll listen to a couple of podcasts just to see what they're talking about. And, and, um, also just to kind of see the flow of the podcast. Right. Uh, you know, we, we seem to tend to talk about things that everybody is talking about, but we seem to get it out there first. I just noticed how. Uh, like I listened to like two different ones um on Saturday mm-hmm. and they talked about stuff that we talked about two weeks ago, but they were just talking about it. Oh, did they? Okay. Yeah. Now, yeah, now you know. were, the, were those popular podcasts or were they like, well, yeah, well, it seemed that because what I did is I, Oh, I go on and I'll Google the top 10 
black podcast. Right. And these two came out of the top 10. Okay. Do you want to do any name dropping or? I, you know what? I can't remember. I don't want to say the names wrong because <laughs> I was at work when I did them, but I will bring it back. I'll bring it back up again if we talk again and I'll let you know because I just want to make sure I got um, got both of them correct because I don't want to misquote, you know, because or... never know who's listening. You know, they're going to say right. they said our name wrong, you know, and so forth. Yeah. So, um, so. But I, I, other, you know, uh, I just know that I went to the top ten. I pulled up, pulled up uh, both park, and they were good. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. they were good. But um, it's just interesting, you know. I, I think we have a a good product, and from what people who listen to or been our faithful listeners, they told us that we've got a good product. So, and I can see compared to listening to some of the other. On podcast, I can see, I can see we do. So when we're on point, so and and we're bringing people stuff that people want to know about, you know. So and that's that's cool. Yeah, so, you're welcome. You're welcome, Dave. Yeah, I know. Thank you for all your topics. Yes. Um. So starting starting out with our first story tonight, I don't know how many people might have heard about this. Uh, and it kind of you know when I when I saw the story, it kind of explains a lot. When you know, as far as Kurt Franklin is concerned, and the reason uh, I brought this up, it says Kurt Franklin finds his birth father. You know, he just turned uh, 53 years old, he just met his father, his birth father, for the first time. And the story goes, uh, Kurt Franklin finally met, found his birth father at age 53. Franklin recently premiered the new documentary Father's Day. A Kurt Franklin story. I gotta look for that, by the way. Which gives fans a look at the life-changing revelations in his personal life, which has fueled the creation of his next album that's called Father's Day. Watch the short film on his YouTube channel. Um, as far as the the Father's Day clip, as people report. Um, in the new documentary, uh, Franklin chronicles the new album. He found finally found found his biological dad after decades of searching. His biological mother introduced him to the man. Um, she said was his biological father when Franklin was six years old. I didn't see him again until I was 13, and then he, he started showing up at concerts after my first album came out, he explained to people. I was angry at the fact that I did not have this father, have a father, and he would dare show up once. My life seemed to have some sense of order. Same for my biological mother. Sound like um. Did you see the James Brown movie? That's what happened when his mother showed up. Um, James Brown, um, when he got successful, that's when his mother kind of came back in his Mm -hmm. life. Yeah. After the man Franklin thought was his biological father died, he learned that another man named Richard Hubbard could be his real dad. This man happened to live in the same neighborhood Franklin grew up in. 
Hubbard submitted a DNA test after rumors of circulated that he might be the star of father. A 99.9% match was found for the paternity per wow. people. So I guess that he was his father. To live over half a century with somebody who lived in the same city as you, said Franklin. I suffered so much as a young man without guidance. I struggled with love, intimacy, faith, identity, and to know that the answer was less than 10 minutes away. That's crazy. And I've heard stories like this before where, you know, you know, you find out that your real parent, mm -hmm. you know, lives less than 10, 15, 20 minutes. I even heard a story of where a celebrity was taught. I forget who the celebrity was. Uh, what, was, it was it Terrell Owens? Because he said his father lived across the street. He didn't even yeah, know it. That's, you know what? You're right. That's who it was. Mm -hmm. Exactly. His father mm -hmm. lived right across the street. He used to see him all the time and didn't know it was his father. You know, so um, so that's got to be crazy. Um, and especially if you're dealing with all these issues as a young man um, and 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 you know, of course, Franklin's had some issues with his oldest son, you know, and he mentions that in his article. He says Franklin also used this experience to rekindle his relationship with his his eldest son, uh, Carrion, who's 35 now, who had been estranged for more than a decade. Because, you know, Carrion was talking all kinds of crazy stuff about Kurt yeah. Franklin. Did you hear about that? I, yeah. I did. Yeah. And so, it, you know, because of this, it's caused them to get closer and um you know you see that you see the relationship with them you know they're working on their relationship and so forth and i just thought it was an interesting story because you know you, you know we've kind of been i mean kurt franklin kind of been around now for gosh 20 30 years now i mean it seemed like he you know uh, um but you kind of watched him go through a lot of changes and you you could tell that he has some stuff with him, you know, because Kurt, Kurt looked like he'd be straddling the fence with a lot of stuff, you know, that he does. But, you know, he also, when you listen to him talk, I, I remember listening, I was watching a documentary one time and he was talking about his life and he just started crying because, you know, you could tell he had some pain there you know that he had struggled in his life and i guess with everything that must have happened with him and this is what he was talking about in this article and of course finding his real father after all of this time but how do you how do you move on after knowing that this person's been around all this time now i don't know because it doesn't say anything about what the father had to say about where he was or any of that stuff, I guess in the article, I guess in the video that they're talking about, I guess it talks about it in that, um, um, this thing called Father's Day that he did. But what do you say to your son or your daughter when you meet them for the first time and they're, you know, 50-something years old? What do you say to them? I yeah, mean, I mean, I'm I'm really not sure. The only thing I can think of is that, and I mean, I know it sounds crazy, but 
unless you have a good story on why you are not involved for those 50 years, you almost just have to focus on the present and the future. Because, I mean, you know, like there's probably no amount of apologizing that would make Kirk Franklin feel better. You know, like he missed all of them, you know, growing up years, manhood years, mm-hmm. you know, so... I, I really don't know. You know, I, I feel like you just have to kind of meet them where they're at and, you know, you know, be that great grandfather and, you know, kind of just develop that relationship. Yeah. I mean, I guess you, I, I guess that's what you have to do. I mean, there's um, a guy who was a football player. They did a documentary about and <clears throat> he played, co- <clears throat> excuse me, he played college football. He got, Drafted into the NFL, but he tore up his knee. He never really got a chance to play in the NFL. But he became a coach, and he's even to this day, he's still coaching as assistant coach in the NFL. And he talked about how um, he was adopted by these people, and so he never knew his biological parents. Um, he finds out later on in life that the who his mother was, his biological mother, and he goes and he finally meets her and they develop a relationship. Um he always had this mentor in his life who helped him with football, you know, help, um he was a teacher and whatever and um helped him with football and everything. The guy also coached in the NFL himself. And was his role model and everything. Turned out, make a long story short, this guy was his real father. Oh, wow. But neither one of them knew because the mother was like 13, 14 years old when she got pregnant. Mm -hmm. And her parents sent her away to have the baby Uh... and made her give up the baby. So when she came back, you know, came back to town, she didn't, you know, there was no baby or anything. And the guy who ended up being his mentor never knew anything about the child. She never told him that she was pregnant. So when it came out, when he asked the mother, his real mother, who his father was, and she told him his name, she said, well, that man's been in my life this whole time. Right. And, you know, so it was really shocking to him. And, of course, when he said something to the man about being his son, he said, I don't understand. How could I have a, you know, how could you be my son? Well, because the mother never told him that she was pregnant. So, (laughs) you know, so, I mean, you know, so when you hear about these type of things and whatever, you know, it's really interesting, especially the dynamics. I couldn't even imagine. Because people who are adopted, you know, you don't know, a lot of them end up going through things and, you know, and it's always centers around who who their real parents are. Because you just don't, you know, your characteristics and everything that you go through is always based on who you really are. You know what right. I'm saying? So, um, but I just thought the story was interesting and I just wanted to mention it. And, it's, uh, you know, it's good that he's got a chance to find out who his father is um, and also who his mother is because he met his biological mother as well. 
Now, what that does for them and where that takes them and where that leaves everybody, that's, of course, a whole different story, you know, because now you're developing relationships, boundaries, all types of things now, you know, so that's the whole that's the whole thing with those type of things. But I just wanted to, you know. It's good that he did it. Now I got to make sure I watch the uh, video, the the story about how this unfolded, and I'm sure, mm. um, I'm sure we're going to hear a lot more about this story. So, oh yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that's story number one. All right, people, y'all, you podcasters, that's our first story. Okay, we're just letting you know that's our first story. You know. <laughs> so so. So, in case you're ready, because you, you know how many times we'll talk about something, then I say, oh, hey, look, you see this? <laughs> you know, right away. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, so. Um, next story. Um, oh, the Rolling Stone story. I, I, this is a lot of people just finding out about this. But um, I wanted to bring this up. Rolling Stone co-founder John Winter uh, was removed from the Rock and Roll um, um, the Rock Hall um, leadership um, because he he called black artists inarticulate. Which which is crazy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Inarticulate. Woo! Let me read some of this to you. It says, uh, John Winter, co-founder of Rolling Stone magazine, has been removed from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Foundation's board after facing widespread criticism for controversial comments made in New York Times interview published Friday about female and black musicians. Now, I kind of know where a lot of this is coming from because we, you know, Right now, it's not necessarily a great time for certain things, uh, you know, as far as the the look of music mm-hmm. and everything right now. I'm going to put it that way. Um, it says, uh, Jan Winner has been removed from the board of directors of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Foundation. Um the president and chief executive of the foundation told the the New York um, Times in a statement Saturday. CNN has reached out to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for comment. Winner spoke about the Times about spoke with the Times about his upcoming book, The Masters, which features interviews he conducted with artists such as John Lennon, Bob Dylan, Mick Jagger, and other while at the helm of Rolling Stone. Now, notice what they all have in common. Right. They're, they're non-Blacks, right? In the interview, he spoke about his decision to not include interviews with women and Black artists, and his remarks on the topics were widely criticized. The people had to meet a couple of criteria, but it was just kind of my personal interest and love of them, he said, adding insofar as the women 
just none of them were as articulate enough on in on this intellectual level. Now he he continues by bringing up Stevie Wonder. He says Stevie Wonder, genius, right? I suppose when you use a word as broad as masters, the fault is using that that word. Maybe Marvin Gaye or Curtis Mayfield. I mean, they just didn't articulate at that level. For public relations sake, maybe I should have gone and found one black and one um, woman artists to include hers that didn't measure up to the same historical standards just to avert this kind of criticism he told the outlet maybe I'm old fashioned and I don't give you know he said a cuss word there or whatever Mm. I wish in retrospect I could have interviewed Marvin Gaye maybe he had had been the guy maybe Otis Redding had he lived, would have been the guy. So he was saying that it was only certain artists that he felt that he could talk to that would be able right. to articulate in the way that he needed them to in order to include them in this story or this article that he was doing. I mean, you know, and that's, you know, and when you look at the, now when you think about those names I just said, now John Lennon, you know, was a genius. I will say that. I mean, I've heard him speak and whatever. Mick Jagger? I mean, he's not the most articulate person in the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, when you think about it, uh, you know, he talked about, he also goes on to talk about, you know, people like James Brown and those type of people. And, you know, of course, I got, I get what he's trying to say, but he made, he, he just didn't, he, he he screwed himself. That's all I'm gonna say. He really did by by trying to point out the fact, trying to point out the fact that um, he don't feel that we are articulate. And even he went in to talk about the artists of the day, and he was saying, you know, he said he don't even like to hear a lot of them speak. You know, That's crazy. You know, and so it's it's. What are, what are, what's your views on this? What's your view? I know you heard about the story. What what do you mm-hmm. think about it? So I mean, I think it's crazy, and I think it just kind of goes back to um, undercover racism. So you know, kind of when I personally think about Rolling Stone magazine, you know, I definitely don't think a lot of black people. You know, like Rolling Stone and black people. You know, I just kind of you know don't associate so. I'm sure that there were a lot of opportunities black people could have had back in the day, but, you know, because of him and, you know, his crew, they didn't get, but I also think, you know, and Dave, this is the thing that kind of kills me about racist. And I'll just say, you know, they're not even good at it because. Well, they don't try to hide anymore. Yeah. 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 I mean, you, you would at least think that, okay, they were in 2023. For him to be on a public stage and talk about black musicians are not articulate enough, you know, now it'd be different if he said, okay, Stevie Wonder, um, you know, um, Jimi Hendrix, but to generalize it as a a whole race, you know, I mean, you know, 
you just don't get more racist or more have more of a racist thinking than that. Yeah, and and it's interesting because when you look at the when you look at the music business as a whole, and especially when you go back to the sixties and the seventies, when you know we were making a lot of music back then, and you know, of course, you know. Barry Gordy started his own label so he can do what he wanted to do music-wise. Still, we were were not respected. You know, that's why Barry Gordy, when he built Motown, he built it in a way, because, you know, he he came up as a, uh, he was in the auto industry, you know, so he came up as an auto worker. Mm -hmm. And he built that whole Motown situation Based on the way that a assembly line works in the auto in a auto um, in the auto industry, so you know, you know, each part of the assembly line, there was a certain function for each part of that assembly line that people did, and that's the way Motown was was put together. You know, there was stages and and parts of. Um, of every, you know, the way that they did everything, you know, you had the music production part, you had the, you had the vocal, the vocal um, coaching, you had um, development, you know, artist development. I mean, they had it all set up to make sure that not only were these people good singers, but they were polished and they were acceptable in every right. place that they can go into. So. You know, if if they were singing at a, a speakeasy joint or 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 like a, a um what you call them um like like the campground used to be um mm-hmm. the you know like uh, joint or something like that or then go to a place that only whites went to like the Copacabana and and be able to all his acts could perform now you know um. But, you know, he had to build that himself in order to get those people into those places. And, you know, because of people like this guy and the way he was thinking and so forth and Rolling Stone, even to this day, even when Rolling Stone did their, you know, we talked about it earlier this year when they did their um, top um, 100 singers and performers, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you know, we were talking about how they had, how are you going to have Michael Jackson on that list at number 80 something? Right. You know, when he's regarded as one of the greatest performers of all time. So that just right. tells you that they don't know us like that. You know what I'm saying? You know, they don't know, they, they don't know. Um, it's not just about how we talk and how we look. There's a lot more to us than that, you know, and that makes that makes all the difference in the world. So I just feel I just feel that, you know, he he should have been called out for what he did. I mean, for what he said and what he was thinking. And so they did. So I wanted to bring this story up for those people because Rolling Stone has always been that type of magazine. Yeah, it was very important to get one of your songs on the Rolling Stone top 100 list. But we've been able to make it 
without Rolling Stone. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Our music yeah. is able to make it without Rolling Stone. We don't have to be on that list in order to be relevant anymore. So, I, but I just, you know, but I'm glad that they're calling him out, you know, and 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 to make sure that he understands he can't talk about us like that. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? So, um, so I just wanted to touch on that story. Uh, I'm going to leave it there. We're going to move on to our next story. Speaking about getting called out, <laughs> you know. Uh, and actually, I thought this was interesting. You know, Tyler Perry has been kind of the uh, talk of the town for some of the things that he said recently about, um, you know, um, what black women settling um, for men. Well, he said broke men, but, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, but settling for men less than who they are. And it's been talked about a lot recently. Um, I just wanted to read a little bit of this as well. It says black women lashed out at actor-director Tyler Perry for saying successful women should settle for broke men. Black women on Twitter complained that Tyler had been telling them to date down or settle for broke men for 30 years. Wait, hold on. Tyler, Tyler, you've been around for 30 years. <laughs> well, well, I mean, I, I mean, he's been he around has. for yeah, a I minute. Yeah, yeah, I guess he has. You know, you know, he was on the plate. On on the Titlin circuit back then, yeah. right? You know, so and uh, they're tired of it. One Twitter uh, X user. Why why did Twitter change that name to X? I don't, I don't get it. Right. I, I really don't get. It. I don't know what that was all about. I hate even saying X because it doesn't make sense. You know, um, user wrote Tyler Perry's thirty year obsession with telling black women what type of man they should or want should want makes a lot more sense when you realize he's selling his own fantasies and desires of his, his ideal dude. <laughs> Did you hear that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Another person wrote Tyler Perry has single, has been single my entire life. I ain't even, Oh God, I just did that story. And this is exactly what <laughs> It says I ain't even listening to uh that is SHIT he got to say in the first place. Why do you put that that way? And a third person wrote the fact that black men aren't even offended by what Tyler said about them is hilarious. But the hardest the harshest criticism was delivered by TikTok star Jasmine Garden. 23, who said, um, have you ever heard her? Jasmine Garden, 23? Nope. Never heard of her. Okay. He said, Tyler struggles to hold black men accountable because he has unresolved trauma with his own father. Damn. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, they coming at him. Okay. Um, In a follow-up TikTok video, Jasmine responded to commenters who asked why she was so mad about what Tyler said. 
She said one of the biggest problems in the black community right now is y'all want black women to keep breaking general general uh, um generational curses without it affecting black men, said Jasmine. Y'all don't want to have to step up to the plate and be accountable for anything. Jasmine has a lot to say. No, she does. Yeah. I'm about to say, she must have taken his comments very personally. Yeah, she did, yeah. Um, Tyler, Tyler came back and said, he said, um, high-value black women who earn more money than most black men should be open to dating those men. A lot of women, especially black women, and I might get in trouble for saying this, but I will. In our society right now, black women are making a lot more money <laughs> for the for the most part than black men. Tyler said on keep it uh keep it positive podcast with crystal renee hazlett if you can find love that um, that man works at whatever job and is a good man and is good to you and honors you and honors the house and honors his wife and does what he can because he gifts his gifts might not be your gift. That's okay. Tyler said high-value women should date down, even if it can only pay the light bill every month. Uh, what's your thoughts? So I understand what I believe he was trying to say. And I, I mean, Dave, you know, I think the whole root of what he's trying to say is that these women who are high earners, that they shouldn't just look at money when determining, you know, the man, because um, Dave, just the way the world is going, you know, women are women's salaries are rapidly increasing and especially black women. And, you know, that whole black man, black woman um, earning relationship, you know, there are a lot of black women making more than black men. So I, I feel like he's saying, don't, um, if, if there's a, and it almost sounds like, in fact, Tyler should make a movie out of this too. But, you know, if there's a good black man, and even though he's not making your ink or, you know, black females income, you know, give him a chance because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I mean, m money ain't everything. So. Sure. But well, I mean, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it, it, well, we can't, we can't have him make a movie and him be the writer, though. I mean, he can't write this movie. Mm -hmm. No, we need somebody else to come in and write. It. We need a real writer to come in and write it, so we can make <laughs> sure the point the point gets across very well. So, uh, yeah. but go ahead. What are you saying? Yeah. So, I mean, I understand that point of view. Now, should men be offended? I mean, I, you know. I don't know. I mean, I think we, I think we recognize when Tyler said broke men, he don't mean broke, broke. He means men who are trying, who have a job. Cause Dave, you know, one, one thing I always, I always think about, right? Let's say, let's say you're in college, right? And in college, you meet the love of your life. You are, um, well, let's say she is in 
the medical field. Like that's her major. You know, let's say biology, pre-med, she wants to be a doctor. You're in education. You want to be a teacher. Okay, when y'all graduate and, you know, let's say after schooling, her schooling, if you do extra schooling, her as a doctor, she is going to make probably over 100000 you know, maybe even more. He, him coming out as a teacher, he's only going to make, you know, starting maybe, what, 40, 50? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what it is. It may not even be that much. I don't know. But, you know, now there's already a gap in income. And it's kind of like, okay, well, if if he was a good boyfriend, fiance or whatever he was, you know, would you leave him because he's following his passion just like, like you're following yours? So that, you know, that that's one of the things I always think about. And that's why I kind of go back to, you know, what Tyler, what I feel like Tyler was saying was, you know, if you have a good person who may not be on your income level, don't automatically throw them out the window. Yeah, I think that's part of the part of what he was trying to say. I mean, I know I see this a lot in my job where, you know, like one of the things we have to do is interview our clients when we're when they're applying for benefits or when they're renewing their benefits. And, you know, I might see two adults in the household, you know, it could, you know, um, they they uh, they could be married or they may not be married, whatever the case may be. And I'll you know it might be two or three or four kids in the house, but only one's working. And you know, and a lot of times I'll be honest with you, it's the female that's usually the one that's working. And I'll be like, okay, so are you saying that there's that this that the male is not making any money at all or, you know, now a lot of times they, they, they may be, but they don't want to tell us that, you know what I'm saying? But even still, even if they are making money, a lot of times it may be less than what that particular female is, is making or their, their significant other is making at that time. So it's always interesting when you look at the dynamics, because you'd be saying, what would make a person who, who has four kids um, and appears to be the only one making any money stay with a person who's not working and, you know, that type of thing. But it all, you know, and I guess he's trying to look at it and maybe there's some other things that this person may be doing that keeps them together and that, you know, where they balance each other out. So I think that's what Tyler is trying to say in this case. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I, I feel like this might be one of those ever-going issues that, you know, just kind of like never gets resolved, you know, because everyone has their own opinion. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, that is definitely true. So, but... um well, uh, if Tyler writes, if Tyler writes a movie, we just can't have him write the movie. I mean, you know, if he does a movie, you can't have him write the movie because it won't be taken seriously. Like this is not being taken seriously. They're going, it's going to be a script sooner or later. Anyway, it's going to be in one of his scripts. So, oh yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah so, so, but anyway, um, <laughs> Tyler, hold on, brother, hold on. <laughs> you know, so 
they come in for you, man. They come in for you. So, all right, moving on to our next subject. What we got? Yep, Dave. So our next story is something that has been developing over the, la- the last week or so. So um, the title, according to PBS, is called of this um, story is Black Student in Texas Suspended Twice for Hairstyle Despite Ban on Racial Discrim- Discrimination. So about a week or so ago, there was a Black student who served in school suspension over his hairstyle. Um, and then, so before I believe he had, um, almost like an Afro, Afro type of hair, he served suspension and then coming back to school the past Monday, last week, Monday, he received the exact same punishment arriving Monday with his, um, as, as, I'm sorry. So let me start over. So he had um, dreadlocks, right? And I think mm-hmm. one of their policies was that the hair could not, you know, come below the ears or something like that. Right. Right. Yeah. So after his in-school suspension, when he arrived at school Monday, wearing his hair the same as before, twisted in dreadlocks tied on top of his head, he received another in-school suspension. Now, why this makes it um, so crazy sounding is because in Texas, you know, they just recently passed the the Crown Act, which bans discrimination based on hair. But for some reason, this did not apply to, you know, this student at um, a high school in Texas. And so, you know, school officials said his dreadlocks violated the district's dress code of course, because his hair fell below his eyes and um, his eyes and his earlobes. So this student, of course, when he was sent back to in-school suspension, he's in tears. Um, That's what his mother said. So his mother said he had to sit on a stool for eight hours in a cubicle. Um, And Dave, I don't know the last time you sat on a stool, but the way my back is set up... (laughs) I need yeah, to lean on something yeah. like, you know, that. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. Um, so he said he every day he come home and say his back hurts because he had to sit on the stool. So, um, you know, so I mean, you know, this is just crazy. So for anyone who's not familiar with the the um, the Crown Act, of course, it says that, you know, we talked about non-discrimination based on hairstyles and for. Black people, you know, I think we can recognize that, you know, a lot of our hairstyles are more than just a fashion statement. So, you know, and I mean, of course, you know, there are a lot of people who kind of have dreads, but, you know, dreads is also a cultural thing. You know, the Afro is, you know, even though it may not seem like it anymore, but, you know, that's a cultural thing. And, you know, that's one thing that, um, you know, what his, um, the mother said is, you know, I guess in their direct culture, they said dreadlocks are perceived as a connection to wisdom. And Dave, you know, when I read that, it kind of made me think of like Bible Samson, you know, right. like like his mm-hmm. long hair kind of had his strength. And that was a biblical yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, his family said that all the men in their family have had dreadlocks going back generations. 
to them, the hairstyle has cultural and religious importance. You know, his mother said, they said that our hair is where our strength is. That's our roots. He has his ancestors locked into his hair and he knows that. So, you know, so, I mean, this story is still kind of, um, you know, developing, but, you know, it's just crazy that, you know, we're passing these laws based on, you know, anti-discrimination based on hair, but then there's still schools that are, you know, kind of bypassing or taking advantage, maybe not even taking advantage, while this law is still newly into effect, you know, they're still continuing with their way of doing things. Well, let me ask. Now, I know this has to do with the length of the hair and, you know, that it can't go past a certain length, shoulder, right? Correct. Or earlobe. Or earlobe. Okay. So are they doing, are they suspending whites as well for those that may have their hair longer than that? So I'm assuming it is white white males, yes. <clears throat> but this but this story happens to be about a black male that right. has locks. Correct. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um we did a story not too long ago. Uh what was it, last year sometime about the same type of situation? Um where somebody had locks and they were suspended because of their hair as well. That's mm-hmm. when we first started talking about the Crown Act. Right. Um, and every time I hear, <clears throat> and I think I mentioned this before, every time I hear this, it always makes me go back to that. Uh, there was a certain episode of um, Living Single with Queen Queen Latifah and Kim Fields and all of them. Yeah, where... Um, their their neighbor um, Kyle was going for a particular job. He had locks in his hair, and he wanted he was already worked for the company, but he was trying to move up into management. And one of his colleagues, who was a black man, who also was in management, says, "Yes, you have all the tools and you're smart and everything." He said, "But you'll never get the job." And when he asked why. He said, because of your hair. He said, nobody's going to take you serious. And they don't like you because of the way your hair is. Now, this was that was back during the 90s when this story was put out there. Mm-hmm. You know, and obviously it's still the issue, you know. And, um, and they said that that was based on a true situation. The writer that wrote that particular show was it was based on something that happened to somebody he knew. So, and that's why, you know, so, you know, and the fact that we're still having issues now with all the different hairstyles, I mean, gosh, you know, what I say a good 50, 60% of the people, and that's men and female these days, don't even wear their own hair anymore. I I mean, you know, you know what I'm saying? So, so, and it doesn't necessarily mean just one particular race that does that because 
everybody has extension now, you know, or everybody can have fake hair anymore. So, so the hair thing to be such an important piece, of, you know, because, you know, Will Smith's daughter put it out there. I am not my hair, you know, uh, you know, you know, you know, so that's why she waved her hair, her head back, her hair back and forth, you know, you know, so, um, so it's, 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 it's not good, but I mean, this is the world we live in, man. Everything has connotations, race right. connotations to it. So, and you will hope that someday we can get away from, but looks like we can't. So, <sighs> yep. So, I mean, we, we will, uh, you know, kind of keep track of this and if we hear any more developments, you know, we'll make sure we let everybody know and, you know, hopefully he gets the, and I'll just call it the justice because it is law now. So hopefully he yeah. gets the justice he deserves. Yeah. And hopefully they don't make him cut his hair. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm pretty sure he'll probably go to another school before he cut his hair. I I'm sure he's right. Yeah. But then would that follow him around, though? I mean, unless he goes to a black school, I guess. Yeah. Right. Because obviously he must not be at an all black school right now. No, I'm 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 sure. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sure. All right. Well, Dave, we're going to go to our next story. So our next story, and uh, this is very much developing, not too much information, but recently there were two black models who were found um, dead in their Los Angeles apartments. And why this story is so unique is, first of all, you know, what we said, two black females were both found and dead downtown L.A., um, the first one, her name was Melissa Mooney, 31. Um, she died September 12th. Um, the LAPD are investigating her case as a murder. And the second person, Nicole Coates, also 31 years old, um, died on September 10th. And the LAPD and the LA um, examiner are still determining whether her death is considered a homicide or not. Um, they, they, of course, the police feel there is no connection between the two women, the, the two women who died. Um, of course, the one who the police do believe is murdered, um, her family is speaking out, basically saying they want the killers caught. Um, for the second one, Nicole Coates, even though the police are now considering it a murder, her family believes that she was murdered and that she believes that somehow, you know, these two are connected and they say they believe it was foul play because one of her legs was up in the air in a kicking position. That's not somebody who just laid on laid in their bed and died. So that's really all the information we have on it so far. But, you know, I mean, um, when I hear two black women, both 31 years old, both models, both living in downtown L.A., and they died two days apart. Um, I don't know about you, but that, that right there sounds like a lot of connections to me. Yeah, yeah. There's what do you think about it? There's definitely a connection and there's definitely seems to be some type of uh, pattern there. Um I think we all have seen enough TV cop shows and so forth, <laughs> to, you, know, yeah. the, you know, the the to try to figure out, you know, hey, look, 
you know, this is not random. Of course, they may, and of course, you know, the police departments tend to not try to connect things like that because they don't want us to panic. Right. Um, but I'm sure they're looking at it from a a, a connection, a connected um, and, you know, of course, pattern thing. Um, you know, I, I saw this um, article and um, heard about what was going on and they, uh, in what I read about um, the thing I read about it, they were saying that, you know, they definitely suspect there was foul play, that it wasn't, you know, a coincidence that these two died and that somebody may be going around killing beautiful black women, you know, and um, young women. And, you know, and it's really, you know, that's really a shame. Now, let's see how quickly it takes for them to try to figure this out or how seriously they're going to take it. Because we know, <laughs> we know that if it was two white women, things would probably be a little bit different. Right. You know, because and it's been proven in the past. So, you know, um, so I, you know, so the story definitely, it definitely, definitely uh, needs to be paid attention to. And we definitely need to, to see if, how quickly they find this person or persons that might be responsible. Maybe it is. Let's hope, you know, maybe it is. I mean, you know, it's. Maybe it's two different situations that just so happen to happen around the same time, mm-hmm. but just doesn't appear to be. Right. Yep. So yeah. I'm Dave. I'm I'm sure some information is going to come out in the next couple of days. So I'm, I'm sure people are concerned. I I am sure. Yeah, I am sure it's going to be interesting. Um, and um, you know, and you know, we have to say, you know, um, prayers to the families that were involved. And, um, you know, I mean, nobody wants to see anybody murdered or killed like that. And, you know, so hopefully uh, we don't have wide, more widespread killing going on, you know. so Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's really a shame, so. Well, I guess we'll be following that story definitely because, as you can say, it's it's on as you just said, it's unfolding. So, uh, and I'm sure to, you know we'll probably hear more about it. Hopefully, not more deaths, but maybe they find out who or, or who's responsible for what's going on. So. All right. All right. Uh, All right, Dave. Okay. It's time for your favorite part of the show. <laughs> Oh, my favorite what, part. Okay, okay. What, yeah. what you got for us today? Okay, Dave's Corner, people. Um, Leonard's really, he's trying to put it on me, but it's his, part, <laughs> his favorite part. Dave's so, favorite part. Yeah, and, and, and actually, I think this is apropos for the things that we've talked about tonight, uh, uh, this particular Dave's Corner question. And the question is, do you feel your life is better off now with all the technology we have versus prior to the year 2000. 
Now, I know that's a broad statement, but if you look at everything, and especially, I mean, just think about everything we just talked about, because that kind of falls into what this question is. Um, do you feel, you know, that you your life is better off now, uh, even though we have all of this technology, or do you feel that you were doing better prior to the year 2000 with the limited technology that we had at that particular time, but still depending on some old school stuff, if you feel me, you know, and, and not, you know, not having everything at your fingertips the way we do now. So I think it's an easy question. I think, I think my life is definitely better because of technology. And I mean, I'll just say two things happened to me today that kind of reinforced that. One, I went to go pick up my son from his after school activity and I could not find him. And I waited and I waited and I waited. I, I, I was calling, texting, you know, and he finally called me back after I waited about 30 minutes and asked if he could stay longer, which caused me to have to leave and come back later. But, you know, I just thought to myself, I would have had to get out to the car and literally walk around his school. To, you know what I mean? So that was one thing. So, I mean, you know, thank you for phones and texting and all that. Now, Dave, the second thing, and, and this was amazing. So, you know, of course, and I'll try to make the story real quick. So I told you I'm trying to get back in shape, right? So, you know, I'm yeah. trying to do my running, swimming, and biking, all that. So this morning, I went to a, I signed up for a swimming pool membership. So I went to a swimming pool, and I brought my Apple Watch, which I've been wearing a lot lately because I've been tracking some fitness stuff. So I I never knew this until about two weeks ago. Um, that this Apple Watch can kind of, you, you know, you can put it in water and it won't mess up. So I um, I have a fitness program that has a swim function on it. So, you know, you um, so what it says is, you know, you swim, it measures your heart rate, it measures like how far, like how many lengths of the pool you did, you know, your pace and all that stuff. So I'm like, okay, well, you know, I'm going to try this out. So <laughs> I get in the water, you know, I started out and it, it puts like a lock on the watch where like no water can get into it. And it starts timing and, you know, it gave me my heart rate and like the distance, like how many laps and, and the distance. And I was like, oh, you know, this is pretty cool. So when I get out the water and I import this um, data into like my cell phone, into like whatever my fitness program is, Dave. And and you you you're fairly familiar with swimming, right? Yeah. Okay, so I did seventeen hundred yards in the pool. I don't know how my watch broke it down and said you did nine hundred yards of freestyle, you did uh <laughs> two hundred yards of backstroke, and you did three hundred yards with a kickboard. And you know, a kickboard where you just kinda of put a kickboard out and you just kick. Right. And Dave, I mean, you know, I, I wasn't really documenting, but it seemed pretty accurate. And I'm like, damn, 
how did it know I was doing freestyle as opposed to backstroke as opposed to just kicking with the kickboard? So anyway, when you say has technology <laughs> made our life better, I'm going to say yes. Okay. All right. Then we play devil's advocate here. With everything you just said about the swimming experience and, and everything, you know, because it broke down everything, it gave you, it gave you the data, um, which, you know, of course, quite naturally it helped you a lot as far as understanding what you had just done and what, you know, what you're going to need to look at it every time you do it now. Um, but could, at the same time, was that information that you say to yourself, okay, I was just swimming and they found out all this stuff about me. What I just got from this door. And I don't know how, <laughs> it, I don't know how it happened, but it happened. So now you're thinking to yourself, Okay, are they watching me? Or you know, you know, you got all these little things going in your head as far as how do they know? How does this watch know by me waving my arms, kicking my feet in the water? What I what I did exactly. Now may may not have everything as accurate, you know, as possible, but they're probably coming pretty close to it because of course you couldn't you couldn't um you couldn't um do an analog of, of everything that you did, you know, because mm -hmm. that's not what you were thinking about. But here it is. Technology did it for you. Yep. So they, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, what you say? How did it do it? That's the key. You know, Dave, something we just can't ask questions about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we just got to accept it. And I, okay. I, and and I appreciated everything it did for me this morning. And I was like, damn. I was like, okay. okay. All right. Okay. Well, I'm just going to say this real quick in reference to my thoughts on everything. Yes, I think as a whole, um, my life is better now with everything that we have because a lot of things are right. You know, just the you know, somebody I was I had to do something for um my church earlier today. Um and it was just a fact of them you know, calling this place, changing our contract. We had to make these changes or whatever. And then they sent the document back for me to sign and all I had to do was just click on something and sign my name and everything, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, not not the DocuSign. It was something different, you know, but it was yeah. just unique what it was, you know, and I was yeah. just like, oh, this is pretty cool, you know, so 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 forth and so forth. And, yeah, that kind of stuff, it makes it easy because you don't have to be in person, you know, they, you know, you don't have to actually sign anything anymore, you know, as long as you, you know, you give the permission to do it and all this kind of right. stuff. So that kind of stuff is easy. And it definitely makes things personal. Um, uh, uh, easier and and um definitely more um you know with the the way the way that the computers do everything for us and so forth you know they're talking about you know these artists don't you know they can do all the collabs that they want now they all they with ai and all this stuff so there's a lot of stuff out there but i'm i'm gonna be real with you I just feel it's just too much that they know about us now. 
you know, that's why we have all these, uh, all of these, uh, what you call Mark Cuban uh, on Shark Tank and the Dallas Mavericks uh, owner uh, a couple of days ago just had his his crypto wallet hacked and they took $870,000 from him in cryptocurrency. You know, because we have technology the way we have it, um, it makes things so easy for us to lose, to people to find out, to assume identities, all kinds of stuff. Well, can I play devil advocate of what you're saying? Okay. Uh, you have the option to live off the grid. True. And there's a our maintenance guy at my job exactly does what he does. Okay. This guy doesn't have a cell phone. He doesn't he doesn't have uh he doesn't have an ATM card, he doesn't have a mm-hmm. cell, this guy's seventy something years old. He doesn't yeah. have a cell phone, he doesn't have an ATM card, he you know I mean and we say to him, How do you do it? You know. Um he's like a, a dinosaur, you know, and and as much as I say what I just said, I just know myself. I mean, I I like I like not being able to be tracked in the past. But then you have to be tracked now. Just about. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's hard not to be. So, mm-hmm. you know. So but I just thought it was interesting to think about. I mean, basically every story kinda kinda tells you that the only reason we know about these stories is because they're right there at our fingertips right. at a moment or another. Right. That is true. Yeah. And like we said before the show, we used to, we were talking about how, you know, athletes and celebrities or whatever, if they if we knew half the stuff that they probably did in their lifetime before social media and all that kind of stuff came out, we probably you know, they probably would have never existed, you know, at one point, mm-hmm. you know, to us. So but I just thought it was an interesting question, and for those who who listen to us, um, especially the Dave Corner's question, please take the time to chime in and let us know what your thoughts on that it might be, um, because uh, you know, you know, we're here, and this is the life that we live now. So definitely, and you know, you can go swimming, and if you got an Apple Watch, hit yeah. the button. You yeah. know, lock Pretty it, cool. lock it in. Look, so you, the water doesn't get in. First no. of all, do you see that happen? Do I see what happened when you hit when you make the watch waterproof? Does it does it show, does it do something? Does it light up or something? Santa? Um, yes, there, there's a little icon that lights up to let you know it's in like um, waterproof mode. Yeah, and you're not able. The touch screen is not active, so like no. you can't like you know if you accidentally you, you can't accidentally touch it and unlock it while you're in the water. And then when you unlock it, which is you just press the crown on the watch down for like five right. seconds, it says like expelling water. So probably, you know, wherever water may get in, it probably just expels it and you wipe it off and keep on moving. Okay. All right. See, uh, I'm not as fortunate as Leonard to have an Apple Watch, so I wouldn't know these things. So, and and I probably, if I had one right now, I probably would just put it on and, and, and stick my arm in, in some water just to see if yeah. that works. <laughs> <Yeah>, exactly. <laughs> so, but um, but that's cool. 
Okay, well, yeah, that's technology for you. So, yeah, it is. yeah, so, all right, well, there you have it, folks. <laughs> you know, um, hopefully, you learned some things today and um, you heard some things that um, you wanted to learn about. So, um, oh, uh, before we get ready to get out of here, uh, you know, I, you got something coming up, don't you? Yep. So for anybody who is in the Delaware area, we are having our grand reopening at GNR Campground. It's going to be Saturday, October 7th. The grand reopening celebration party will be from two to four. We're going to have games, food, prizes, raffles. We're doing tours. And then afterwards, my partner, Dave and DJ Tim Dog are doing uh, an after party and Dave, I'll, I'll let you speak about the after party. Yeah. Well, we're, we're uh, actually going to continue the fun and everything for those who um, are there at the campground on that particular day. And for those who will be coming, we will, we plan on having some live music for you. Uh, we're, of course, DJ Tindall will be DJing. Uh, we're we're going to take everything into the activity hall there at the campground and have a good time, good food. We, um, we have a caterer coming in, Lindsay's catering. Um, so we're, we're gonna, we're gonna continue to party on the inside after all the uh, festivities outdoors. Um, you know, this is a, a great event, letting everyone come down to check out the GNR campground. Um, where um, Leonard and his uh, wife, um, Yolanda, um, now the new owners of the campground, and they're welcoming everybody to come out and have a good time. So uh, hope to see you guys there. Um, definitely will be – just pay attention to social media. It will be plastered everywhere. And just come on down and have a good time. Yep, sounds good. We – they, we, we definitely look forward to seeing everybody. We have gotten a lot of positive feedback. So mm -hmm. I know we have over 150 people who have registered on Eventbrite and probably like 100 people maybe on Facebook. So we're, we're definitely looking for a good turnout for, you know, the celebration and the after party. Okay. Well, that's good. That's good. Well, you know, I mean, you know, after all, you know, uh, they say we don't camp. And we don't hang out in the woods or whatever. Know. You know, we just ain't trying to get killed out there. We do yes, camp. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so so but anyway, so we look forward to seeing everybody on October the seventh, okay? All right. I guess that's it for our show tonight. And we want to thank everybody for tuning in and hanging out with us. It's always a, our pleasure to be able to bring the stuff to you that we do. And we look forward to talking to you again soon. All right. Have a great evening. Join us next week for another edition of News and Trends with your hosts, Dave and Lynn.